0: Hello everybody, I am glad to have you back. Today our guest is Cassidy Uh, Hellrigal. He's a good friend of mine and a very successful investor. He has a lot of experience in apartments and Airbnb not to mention flips and other things that he's done but really his specialties are the short-term rental market and apartments and commercial properties. And so he's been on before talking about his company Everstar Investments and really the massive growth that they've had. But today he came on, uh, he was a guest on the local meetup that I have, Buying Without Banks. And he is talking about how to burr an apartment deal. So how you can buy apartments without using any of your own money. I know... That's going to excite you and it's really a lot of great information. So um, definitely stay tuned. You're going to be glad you did. Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact.
1: Really, to start out with, you know, uh, it sounds like a lot of you guys already have a good knowledge of basis of commercial real estate, but I, I still want to go over, you know, because we do have a few new people here. So how is commercial real estate different? So if you have a single family house, the value of that house is going to be based on any other comparable homes that have sold in the area, a similar design and structure of that home. So if you're doing a flip, uh, you, you buy the house for a low value, you know, hopefully at a discount based on the houses that are in the area. And then you fix it up to the standards that can be associated with the comps in your neighborhood, and that's really the cap. You know, even if you significantly, you know, upgrade the house to granite, you know, to uh, brand new glass, whatever it is in the house, there's still going to be that cap of the valuation of the property, and that may be a good or bad thing depending on your market. But that's that's how it's valued. Uh, but for commercial uh, real estate, it's a little bit different. The valuation's based on how much. Net operating income that the property produces. So, if I have an apartment unit, uh, I look at, hey, how much rent can I possibly bring in? If everybody paid on time every month, what's that number? And then the next number is going to be your vacancy. So, once I have the potential income, you know, how much is my vacancy? How many people are paying? You know, and how many people are um, are not even there? What's the uh, the physical vacancy? and uh, economic vacancy there. So those are the couple things I consider. And then I have all my expenses. So I have my taxes, insurance, management, management, maintenance, and utilities. So once I have the income that I bring in minus all my expenses, that gives me the net operating income for the property. And that is going to determine the valuation. But I still need one more thing, I need the cap rate. So the cap rate of a property in Dayton with multifamilies I just talked to a commercial appraiser in Dayton. She says it's about 7 to 9% is what she's seeing right now uh, for, for the Dayton market. And that really depends. There's a couple other factors that that depends on. The asset class and the area. Is it a 30-year-old class C you know, or is it a brand new class A, as you see in the picture here, like they're, they're building in Centerville? So a higher class asset is going to have a lower cap rate because my it's going to have everything brand new. So you're, you're going to have, you know, brand new windows, stoves, you know, very little maintenance and things to take care of. So it's a very easy um, asset to, to manage on a long-term scale, as opposed to a 30-year-old uh, property that you have to fix things. The water heater's is going out, the furnace is going out, you gotta um, plan for the roof, things like that. So those are the different uh, cap rates on the asset class. And then you also have the area. Hey, is it in a uh, you know, highly desirable area? Where you know it's next to the mall, or next to large businesses, people want to be there. You know that's a Class A asset or Class A area. And then Class B, you know that's kind of a ten-year-old. You know used to be Class A, and then Class C, it's kind of you know in the bad side of town where you don't want to go too much. So that's the spread. So your cap rate is going to depend on hey what type of building you have and then what the area is. So roughly seven to nine in uh, in Dayton. If it's an older asset, in a bad neighborhood, you know, you might see 12 to uh, 15 on the cap rate. So that's your rate of return. You might think, hey, you know, I want to get a higher rate of return. I want that 15 cap rate. But there's going to be a lot more problems, a lot more, um, you know, more difficult times to manage it. But it's a scale, you know, where where on the scale do you want to be? So some of the myths about getting into, um, you know, larger scale apartments, you know, hey, I don't have enough money. Can't get a loan. I don't have the knowledge, or I don't have the time. So when I kind of talk through those one by one, uh, the first one I don't have enough money. So if you buy, you know, a million dollar uh, apartment, you get eighty percent loan. You need two hundred thousand to put down to buy it. You know, if, well, if I don't have two hundred thousand, how can I buy it? Well, the first one is you just find somebody that has the money. Like, hey, I got Uncle Joe. He's got a retirement account that has two hundred thousand in it. Ask him if he wants to invest with me to put money down. You know, make him a partner in the in the deal. So that's one way to do it. Um, the next one, hey, I, I have bad credit. I can never get a loan for property. And that's kind of the same scenario. You don't have to necessarily sign on the note. If you have other investors that are willing to sign for you to give part of the deal, you can also do that. Or uh, I got another slide that talks about um, non-recourse loans, You know, small Fannie and Freddie, small balance loans. And you basically do the same thing. The next one, time and knowledge um if you don't have the knowledge on how to do it you just gotta learn go to gdria talk to janice sign up um and then start going through the process because uh commercial real estate it is very similar to single families but it's just on a larger scale the numbers just you know add a couple of zeros but most of the things are the same we'll talk about the birth strategy how that works and it's just a little bit of tweaking and it's you know it's it's more the same thing so that knowledge can easily be gained. They got a nice library, lots of books. I think they even have some on uh, commercial real estate and apartments. That was my favorite part about going there, checking out the books. I'm like, hey, I get a you know $1,000 course just for being a member. This is amazing. So definitely plug for, uh, for those guys there. And then finally, time. You know, if you don't have the time, you can invest in a property. You can, you know, have people that work with you. So my whole philosophy has been I can't do everything. I know I don't, I don't have enough money, you know, I'm gonna be tapped out. Um, There's plenty of things where you can partner with people in order to gain that knowledge, to figure out how these things work and to make things happen. So try not to have any excuse, just just make it happen. That's that's my real philosophy there. Uh, More advantages for uh, commercial real estate apartments here. So when I buy an apartment, it's gonna cash flow right away. It's not like I'm buying a house and I got to remodel it. There's only one tenant that I could possibly have in there. It's not going to have any cash until you put somebody in. Well, this, as people move out, I'm going to remodel their unit, fix it up, and then you know either put it to Airbnb or rent it for a higher rate. So there's continual turnover there. But as they turn over, I'm getting higher and higher valuation for my property. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. And that's easier to value. I don't have to consider the comps of different apartments that have sold in the area. What those look like. You know, the appraisers may take that into account but the, the real value is gonna be how much money that the property brings in. And I can, I can increase that valuation by increasing the rents or decreasing the expenses. Um, so those are two great things that, uh, that you can do there. And then finally, talked about non-recourse debt. I put a little slide in here. There's a lot of information going on here, but this is the Fannie and Freddie uh, small balance loans and what they look like. So when you get up to a loan amount of a million to seven and a half million, magic starts happening, it really does. What's the, the most amazing thing about this is that they're non-recourse debt. So that the properties qualify for this debt as opposed to myself, the investor. So if, if I was to default on one of these loans, they would only go after the property. They take the property back, the asset, and then you know all my stuff is on the side, they wouldn't go after me. I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to default on a loan, because if it was fraud or something like that, they can still go after me. But hey, if something happens, you know, it's um, it's always better to have non-recourse debt if you can find it. But there's two big, big stipulations with this that hold a lot of uh, people up. The first one is at the very bottom line there, the net worth and liquidity requirements. So in order to get a million dollar loan, hey, guess what? I already have to have a net worth of a million dollars. So that might, you know, just just line you out right there. And you have to have reserves, you know, liquidity reserves of nine months principal interest for the payments. So they want to see, hey, you're, you know, you got enough money for the loan um, and you have enough to uh, pay the balance, you know, if something happens. So those are the two big ones there. But I bring this up because this is part of those myths that, hey, I, how can I ever get something like this? How can I ever buy a property like that? Well, you just have to know somebody. We, we talk to people all the time that are willing to sign on these notes. If I don't have you know a seven and a half million dollar liquidity or, or a uh, net worth requirement, I'm going to talk to Bill or Bob or Joe that does that is doing really well and to sign on this loan. And it, it's like Shark Tank. If you ever watched Shark Tank, hey, in exchange for you signing on this loan, I'm going to give you X percentage in the deal. That's really all it is. So you you find these people that are willing to partner with you. You know, every, you know, Chad and I can go over like deal structuring, how a deal works on uh, another presentation, but suffice it to say, hey, I'm going to bring somebody in. I'm going to give them a piece of pie you know, in exchange for them uh, qualifying for this loan for me. So there's always ways around it. You know, don't, if you seem like you hit a brick wall, you know, ask somebody for help and then try to get around that. Cause there's always, there's always opportunities behind, you know, the next obstacle um, so somebody says, Hey, there's a lot of competition. Everybody's buying these things. Well, really the larger the properties they get, the fewer, you know, can com- people that compete for these, um, if you start to buy one, you know, apartment and they see that you actually perform when you did it and you do what you say you're going to do, the deals just keep on coming. All of a sudden brokers are calling you, Hey, I got this property. Do you guys want it? You know, how about this one? How about this one? So we're constantly being bombarded, you know, by different listings. Um, the brokers in the area because brokers, a lot of times, you know, have these listings and they don't put them, you know, out to the general public, they call their network first. You know, they have the pocket listing cause they want, you know, most of the commission, which is fine. That's just the market and that's the way it works. So hey, they get the commission uh, for these properties by finding the buyer and the seller all altogether. Um, another way you can do it is just, you know, go around the broker and just call um, the owners directly. It is a little bit more difficult in the commercial uh, world, just because hey, most of the assets are owned by a company, and then you got to figure out hey, who owns the company, what's their contact information, things like that. But it is doable. You know, we've we've still done that, uh, find off-market properties there. So, a little bit about you know how to find deals, how to source them, and then some of the competition. So, uh, any, any reason why you left? What's that, Sean? Is your is your speaker still on there? All right, so. Um just a, just a case study here. Here's um, a little unit that we got last year in Dayton. Uh, just for 14 units. Um, we'll kind of go with some of the numbers on this. you guys can ask some questions just what it looks like. So start out with uh, the purchase price for this one was five hundred thousand. So just like I talked about before, hey, what how much money comes in? So potential gross income on this one, I think the units were like at uh, four hundred and seventy five dollars a month for 14 units. That's uh, seventy-nine thousand eight hundred dollars. At a five percent vacancy, there on the next line, that gives us a total um, effective gross income of seventy-five thousand eight hundred ten dollars. So that's how much money I'm bringing in every month. You know, once people pay, that's how much I'm collecting. And then my taxes, insurance, management, maintenance, and utilities come out to about forty-seven percent. So another thirty-five thousand six hundred dollars. That leaves me with my cash. Um, net operating income before debt service of uh, $40,000 a year. So the cap rate, as I said before, if this was an eight cap, if I paid 500,000 for it, my rate of return after one year, all cash would be 8%, okay? So nice nice and simple there for the, the cap rate analysis. But working through these, there's different things that we can do to increase that uh, that valuation there, because it's all based on line seven, the NOI, the net operating income. So if that NOI goes up, the valuation goes up. So for really every dollar that I save on the NOI at an eight cap, brings about twelve and a half dollars to the bottom line, to the valuation of the property. So it's 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 pretty significant there. So I always want to decrease my expenses and increase my revenue for each one of these properties, and then. We'll, we'll talk about how we can do that there. So looking at this one here, after debt service, I want to kind of show what this does here. So if I, the property was at 500000 so I get an 80% loan for it uh, of 400000 The debt service on this loan at a 4.5% um, interest rate in 25 years is just over 26000 which leaves me cash in my pocket at the end of the year after I pay the bank of thirteen thousand five hundred dollars, roughly. Um, bringing closing costs and everything, so if I if I invested one hundred thousand five hundred five thousand dollars, that would give my cash on cash return of twelve point eight eight six percent. So with the the bank's help i leveraged that 8% that i would have all cash to a 12.8% cap or a 12.8% return on this property here <clears throat> so that's just buying you know a 14 unit at market value and then really not doing anything to it you know just collecting the money and that's that's really not bad not a bad return at all but we always want to try to um you know increase bottom line and and do a little bit better with the property so that's the baseline. So before I go any further, I kind of want to open this up to questions just to make sure that I didn't lose anybody yet because we're going to go a little bit more detail about these numbers and how they work and why and what it takes to uh, to get going. So I'm going to open it up for questions real quick if anybody's got any. I know that was kind of fast. We need to just
2: covered cap rate. for everybody? What is, you know, what is cap rate? What's the difference between cap rate, cash on cash return? That might be.
1: Yeah. So the cap rate is, is just all cash. So if I was going to invest, you know, take $500,000 out of my pocket, buy the property, not have to go to the bank, that's my rate of return. So annual annualized rate of return of 8% at the end of the year is what I would have. So that's that's the money that I bring in. That's that's basically the cap rate. So it's 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 my net operating income before debt service. <clears throat> that's the return there. If that makes sense. Like I said, that's all based on um, you know the age of the property and the um, uh, where it's at as well. Okay. Okay. If everybody's on uh, on the page, we'll keep going here. I just want to say, hey, where's what does it look like now? So we took the property, uh, 500,000, and we only did really one thing. We took uh, units as they were becoming vacant or as people left, and we upgraded them and converted them to uh, short-term Airbnb units. So there's 14 units at this apartment. And in the last year, we took three of those units and we converted them to Airbnb. So we increased the rents a little bit um, to $500 a month for the other 11 units, which brought uh, roughly about 60,000 of of gross potential rental income on line two there. And then the other half of that, amazingly enough, the three units also brought in just over 60,000 for the gross potential income for the property. So if I if I did it right, those are about about sixty-eight dollars a night and ninety percent occupied is what we're seeing there. So those are the numbers. So it went from a gross potential income of seventy-nine eight to one hundred thirty-two four hundred. So significantly increased the uh, the rental income there uh, considerably. But if we go down to and and that the the I did it with uh, the vacancy factor already in there for the Airbnb because it's 100% occupied for 11 units. And then it was 90% um, occupied for the Airbnb as well. So that's, <clears throat> that's that number for line two there. That's why there's no uh, vacancy. already countable. All right. And then we go down to um, the expenses. So the expenses, they did two things. So the percentage decreased, it went from 47 to 36, but the, the total amount of expenses actually increased because two things. When we bought the property, it was self-managed. So they didn't account for management in there. So we had to add um, property management for the traditional side. And then we also added uh, property management for the Airbnb side as well. So it's kind of funny because our company, um, we have this one. through so It's own LLC, um, but <clears throat> my company actually charges that company, um, management fees and Airbnb fees as well. So um, we take those fees out of the income there, but even with that and the property, so it's it's the acronym TImmer for the expenses there. So taxes, insurance, management, maintenance, and utilities is what comes out of um, those expense categories there. So line six roughly. So they went up a little bit, but if we kept this one and we sold it once again at that 8 cap, our valuation went from 500,000 to a million dollars in one year. So if I go back to the bank say, hey, I want to you know revalue my property. I'm going to show them all my numbers, show them my income and everything. So it's really at a you know 16% uh, uh, cap rate at that point. All right, and I'm going to go into detail a little bit more on that and why we do that. So this is what it looks like for the debt on here. So if I kept the debt, I still buy it at 500000 but I did a little bit of upgrades. So on line 17 there, I put about $45,000 in the property, you know, because I want to kind of, you know, follow uh, everybody along with the burst strategy here. So we bought it, you know, we we're going to repair it and fix it up a little bit. So put some money into it, fix it up. Staged it, did a few things to it to uh, increase the uh, the cash flow here. But I still have the same debt service because the, the money that I brought in to upgrade it was just cash out of hand. <clears throat> so that brought the cash flow line fourteen there from about thirteen five to fifty seven thousand dollars. So significant increase in cash flow um, every year. And you got to think about from from a perspective, hey. They- this is, this is somebody that doesn't have to do any more management or anything. It's just that the property thing managed is just bringing in more revenue um, month by month. Oh, so pretty incredible there. So my total cash in at this point is 150,000. That means my cash on cash return for that 150,000, I'm making 38% of my money. So not too bad at all. Right? Not too bad, but we're not done yet. Right? So I want to try to get some of that money back. I want to see what else I can do with this. So, let's take it one step further and do the bill method on this. So last step, the bill method, we gotta go back to the bank, right? And see what we can do. So if I went back to the bank and I said, hey, I got that $500,000 property, that 14 unit there, I think it's worth 000, 000 a million dollars a because I got the, um, you know, the income and everything to support that. So they're gonna give me a loan for 800,000. So if I still get that 80% loan to value take that million dollar property, they're gonna give me 800,000 for it, right? Um, I had an 80% loan before on the 500,000, so my original loan amount was 400,000. And then I added another 150,000 for the repairs and the down payment that I had. So right now into the property, I've got $550,000. And the bank's gonna give me a loan 80% for 800,000. That means I'm gonna go back to the, the bank And I'm going to get $250,000 cash out refinance for the property. And for us, our strategy is is a couple different things with that. One, we're going to pay off the investors um, that have helped out, you know, make them whole again. And two, we're going to keep the property. So instead of selling it, I'm still going to get this thing to cash flow. My cash flow does go down. So line 14 there. Um, my cash flow goes from fifty-seven thousand down to thirty thousand, but you know, exchange for that uh, less cash flow, I've got an extra two hundred fifty thousand dollars to play with. So, and and I can use that to invest in other properties and keep stacking them, and then it's exponential growth at that point, which is pretty incredible. And and it's kind of it's kind of deceiving for this because line eighteen there, it says cash on cash return, but the way I think of this is. Really, all my, all my cash is out. All my investors' cash is out. So that 15% return is really the return on equity. It's a return on that 200000 that's left in the property there, if that makes sense. Because everybody's already been paid back. You got some money in your pocket. You invest in other things. And we're off the races and doing it again. And granted, this is only three units that we converted from you know long-term rental to short-term rental. And they made up... The same amount for the other 11 that are in the property. So pretty incredible on just a small property of doing it this way. But the real question is, you know, how how scalable is this? Where do you start? So the most difficult thing, right, is is finding the first one. So you gotta, you know, do the research yourself. You gotta figure it out. Um, hey, where do you go? Talk to some brokers, find some deals. It's just hustling, you know, just like you guys are already doing now with single families and other commercial assets. Hey, hustling to get out there, find a deal that works, and then bring people together. You know, I don't I, I can't do everything myself. I I don't have the time to do everything myself. So I find people that are good at certain things. Hey, somebody's good at finding deals, another guy's, you know, has the um the uh the backing to to get loans, those sort of things. So bring the team together. It takes the, the team to make the dream. So you're gonna have, you know, if you if you're out there doing it yourself, you know, more power to you, but it's more scalable. If you find people to work with and make it happen on a, on a large scale, because with scalability is it's economy of scale. So as Janice could imagine, you know, she could attest to this, the more properties that you manage, the actually easier it is because you can, you can hire full-time people for those assets, you know, for being a property manager. So it actually makes it easier in order to do that. Hey, you can have a full-time property manager. You got a full-time maintenance guy. You know, you got somebody to call at all times to handle all these problems. So, it makes it easier if you if you, know, you scale and you have systems in place to make this stuff work. So, one thing to think about there. So if you don't know what you're doing, hey, network. You know, talk to brokers, uh, talk to people that are doing it, and then try to bring some value too. Hey, if you if you don't you know know what's going on, maybe you can bring some money, or maybe you can you know have a good credit score, you know that you can get a loan or things like that. So there's different things you can work in you know to bring value and make something happen if you need to. So the best thing to do, you know, is just take action. So a little quote here, what separates those that succeed from those who do not can be narrowed down to one thing, taking massive action on what you've learned. So, I mean, that's, that's what we've done this last year. we double what we have, massive action. You know, we take the money that from one place, we invest it to in the next, and then just keep growing. So we've got a bunch of deals under contract right now that we're really excited about. So we're trying to just go to that next level. And the biggest thing is just, just helping people out, you know, that are on the way. You know, I am by no means the expert on any of this stuff. I just, you know, love to hustle, love to do it, and love to bring anybody along that wants to learn in order to succeed. So that's really all I got. I'm going to open up to questions and uh, happy to uh, help any way I can.
3: That's awesome. Good stuff. Yeah, sure. Cassidy, this is Bob. Can you explain a little bit more on your short-term rentals? like? how you have that advertised or kind of how you have that set up? Is it with a company or with the air force or maybe give us a little background on that?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, it's just everything that we do is through Airbnb right now. So we started, um, we, we can only do it for, it, it's kind of sticky, right? Because, the the way it works, we manage it for our own properties, and we charge basically ourselves a management fee of twenty five percent for the Airbnbs. So if, if a property uh, was renting for five hundred dollars a month, you know you could you know double or triple that and get fifteen hundred dollars a month for it. So um, that's that's kind of the basis that we go off there. We're trying to get to the scale that hey we can we can offer this service to other people. As part of like a property management package, but we're we're not there yet. We don't have our own brokerage and stuff like that. But you know, maybe on the horizon, it'll it'll be a thing. So we get about 16 uh, units in Dayton that we do uh, Airbnb with right now that are our own. So that's that's kind of the way that we do it. Usually we usually do about 25 percent, you know, the ones that we manage, um, and it it just works out because even with that 25 percent, you're you're still about doubling. Uh, what you can do for traditional rental.
3: I guess my my question, or trying to maybe better understand, like I have a four-unit West Milton. I mean, how yeah. would I, how would I turn something like that into like maybe one unit into like an Airbnb? Like, who's going to be my customer?
1: Um, well, anybody that's coming into town. Uh, the, there's a really good data site called AirDNA. If you go on there, you can see, hey, what what are the typical. Um, Airbnb rates for an area, it will kind of tell you, hey, who's traveling? What are the travel times? The season, the average rental rate. As if you're asking, like, hey, who's the specific clientele that's coming and staying? We really focus on the business traveler, you know. So there's a lot of people that come to the base, um, a lot of uh, military people. Uh, we have traveling nurses. Uh, you know, somebody's going to um, uh, like. I want to say, uh, like, uh, not physicians' assistant, but they're they're going to grad school, you know, going and staying there and doing those things. So, or they're just going for a job. We had a couple people stay a couple months that were working on the flight line at Wright Pat. You know, they're redoing that, or a, a big company, um, like the aviation companies, bring people in to stay for a couple months at a time. You know, there's there's all a bunch of business travelers. That's who we focus on uh for our listings there but everything everything that we do is through airbnb you know because they do all the marketing and stuff like that um in order to bring people in so it's a lot less on our plate that we have to manage that way
3: so does that answer your question i think so i i'm i'm intrigued on it i've been seeing a lot of stuff with short-term rentals so okay can you You know we have big we have a lot of honda stuff going on up this way so yeah. I was wondering about people from Japan that would come over and need it for months or
1: Yeah, that's not bad. I mean if you got a full unit so you know where where do you start, right? So ideally it's got to be, you know, a fairly nice place, and you stage it, you design it, you know, make all the amenities for guests that's coming in, you know, silverware, dishes, cups, plates, you know, bedding, you know paintings, pictures, all that stuff. So just just make it make it look at look at look at your competition. So if you go on Airbnb, you know where your unit's at, are there other people doing it in your area? Or are there if there's a hotel around that place then yeah, the chances are that it's going to work for you.
2: So if you're advertising on Airbnb, Airbnb, how do you market towards a business traveler versus a personal traveler or, yep. you know, some people I know market towards construction and tradesmen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. So Airbnb, it, they don't really give you a lot of flexibility to do that. You can have it. So it's, um, you know, uh, business travel ready. for your listing, Hey, you got a smoke detector. You got all these things that are ready to go for that. But the, the biggest thing that you can do, the, the only real marketing for Airbnb is your title of your listing and your pictures hey what does it look like so if there's if you ever search to airbnb you're you're looking at the title and you're looking at the pictures right and that's what's going to entice you to go and read the description and then finally once you get into there then you can say hey you know it's 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 ready for this type of uh client you know to book your space you can have all that out in the description but in order to get to that point hey it's got to look good It's gotta be better than your competition and it's gotta be enticing for somebody to dive in and and look at, you know, and consider booking right away. Cool. Yep.
2: All right, what other questions do people have?
3: Cassidy, do you,
1: are the rooms, um, your Airbnb, are you renting by the room or the whole unit? yep so that's a good question it depends on the space we've had we we had one in springfield there was a it was a big old house um it had it had four rooms that we were doing airbnb with but with with the room it's easier if the person lives in the space because what we've seen is hey we've got this huge house right somebody books a room and then throws the party and the rest of it like just, just okay, so you want some horror stories here? I went to uh, that that one unit, and there's like 20 people sleeping on the floor. You know, they booked the one room for $43 a night, and they brought 20 of their friends. Right? now that's what everybody's afraid of. But um, and we found that hey, you know, if, you, if somebody that you trust is living in the property, it makes it easier. Um, most of our other ones are just by the space. They're either a studio, one bedroom, or a two bedroom, or a three bedroom, you know, house or apartment. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you've had any luck uh, renting by the room before. We do have some now, but we have somebody that's living there, and it makes it work a little bit better.
3: Yeah, I've got three rooms in my house that I rent out by the room,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and I've been doing it for like seven years. Yeah, and, uh, we're most we're mostly nurses around because we're near Miami Valley. Yeah. So it's pretty quiet most of the time. Yeah,
1: that's good. I mean, the biggest nub for us to crack was, hey. You know, how do I control, you know, who's coming to the property? So we've, we've looked at, hey, getting cameras and stuff like that. Uh, we've we've had success on, hey, the uh, the apartments that we're looking for are one to two bedroom apartments and it works really well for getting that space. I, I think there is a case, you know, as you've said to, hey, rent out, buy the room. It's just a little bit more management. It's not necessarily good or bad thing. And I think you can make a little bit more money. For us, it's just having somebody on the property and taking care of that property if you're not there. That's the biggest thing that we haven't been able to do on a, on a, uh, on scale. That's
3: true. Very true.
1: We're still trying. We'll see if we can crack it.
3: Go for
2: it. All right, what else we got people? Come on now. I know Cassie just laid out how to buy apartments without having (laughs) any of your own money. At the end of that first year he owned the asset and didn't have any money in the asset that's pretty awesome so yep. are there any other questions you have
1: Hey Casper you can stop sharing the screen oh yeah I mean, you, don't, you don't like my design there there we go okay <laughs> there we go hold <laughs> back thank you thank you
2: Sure it took me back many years though.
1: I know you gotta you gotta have some throwbacks there. I grew up on that you know That's right <laughs> hey just wanted to uh, just want to make a statement. Cassidy it was awesome presentation hey, thanks, you you spoke from your personal experience. I've seen you I watched you grow. yep <laughs> and I'm so proud that you come a long way and you're willing to come back and teach others. Yeah, that beauty of
2: being successful, and not every successful person shares their secrets of success.
1: Well, and I mean, here you are. I, I don't, I don't see it as a secret. You know, it's for me, it's it's a very simple formula. You know, yeah. but it's just the, the secret to success is the hard work to do it. Right? I mean, that's absolutely that's not anything. So, well, hey, absolutely. if you work hard, the, the opportunities are endless. You know, you got. It. That's the way I see it. There's, it's, there's, there's, so much, um, there's, there's not much competition with this, you know, so I can, I can share all my secrets. And if you, if you want to work hard, then, then more power, right. That's, I think that's what geometry is all about. Anyway. Hey, we're going to educate everybody. It's building that group together, you know, educating everybody to, to be successful. So I think it's a good thing. Yes. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. An abundance mentality, right? It's not, the right. Way- you know, you, with each other
1: yeah yeah Play for everybody i was just about to say that
2: <laughs> yeah awesome yeah. all right well if there aren't additional questions cassidy i really appreciate it awesome for yeah. information appreciate you taking the time and uh we'll definitely have you back around again to talk through uh, some additional things for sure so, yep. um, for any uh, hey, go ahead, Sean.
3: I just have a request for George. Hey, George, come back and see us. We miss Thank seeing you, man.
1: <laughs> uh, right. Keep an eye on your emails. See if uh, we're
3: gonna be meeting in person and those that are kind of long distance, George probably won't be able to join us. Uh, but I hope everybody
2: else does at our next Judy Greena meeting that hopefully will be in person. All right. And buying with banks, uh, this little subgroup meeting, We I'm hoping next month to be a hybrid in person and also have it online. And right now we have Antoine Drain scheduled to talk about uh, how he's bought apartments. Well, his whole portfolio pretty much with creative financing. So if you're interested in creative financing, definitely um, join us in person or online next month, the third Monday of the month. All right. Well, I hope to see everybody then. Hope everybody has a good evening and a good month. All right, thanks guys. Thanks, Chad. Thank very much.
0: Hey, another quick mention for you um i've talked about it before but we have an amazing mastermind group the elevate mastermind group and i wanted to mention to you all that we just have two spots remaining on our current group it meets thursdays at 12 eastern Uh, we have another group that's about to start tuesdays at 12 eastern and if you are interested in getting your business to the next level if you're passionate about growing your business making it better And you're looking for not only accountability from other investors, but encouragement, new ideas, and just a great weekly vehicle to fuel your growth, then definitely check that out. You can find more information at truewealthinvestors.com slash mastermind. Thanks.